Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Aloha, KCC. I'm Roger Wood, and I've been given the honor of reading today's scripture, which comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. May God bless the reading of the scriptures today. Have a blessed day. Greetings, dear friends at Kailua. What a, what a joy to be able to talk to you. Uh, we were hoping to be able to come over and see you, but now... Uh, we were locked down for the summer uh, on our little farm on the Big Island, and we're still locked down here. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we've been locked down, but God is not locked down. And I have some exciting things to be sharing with you. Uh, but first of all, we just want to thank uh, the family there at Kailua and Pastor Perry, who's, of course, been a friend of ours for uh, 30 years. We're so uh, grateful for your partnership with us in this ministry, which makes it your ministry, uh, and to see what, what God is doing. And so I'm hoping I'll be able to encourage you today uh, uh, from the Word and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And can we just pray? Father, we, we love you, Lord. We bless you. We worship you. We honor you as our King and our Savior and our friend. And as people are tuned in with their children, Lord, and other family members, just let everyone here sense your presence and your, your total unconditional love and total peace that you have a plan for our lives as you do for history. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a historical week uh, for myself uh, and, and for the world. Uh, as you know, we had the amazing peace plan uh, or, or peace initiatives done uh, between Bahrain and the UAE and Israel uh, and the United States. And uh, for me, this is so encouraging because we work a lot in the Middle East and we, we work a lot better when there's peace than when there's war. Although right now we have our team in, um, in Iraq and in Lebanon and other places there. Uh, but for me, my spiritual journey took on a, a very strong uh, turn towards the Lord. Uh, 52 years ago when I was in Bahrain with the United States Navy. And I was stationed there, uh, carried the flag with, with Admiral John McCain. Uh, I was on his staff. And uh, we sailed from there down to uh, the, the Gulf of Aqaba 
and the uh, admiral uh, was in consultations with King Hussein and uh, on negotiating the, the sale of some fighter jets. And we uh, went back to Aqaba and started to, and started to uh, move towards sailing out and, and the six day war broke out. And so we uh, sailed underneath the shelling between Israel and, and, and Jordan. And uh, we're headed for general quarters because our sister ship, the Liberty got torpedoed and I lost almost a hundred shipmates that day. And uh, we were told by the Pentagon, we were next. And so we're, we, we marshaled for general quarters. On my way up uh, uh, to my gun deck, the, uh, my bunkmate who slept below me and I lifted weights with asked me this question. He said, Hal, are you ready? I said, ready for what? He said, are you ready to die? We just lost 100 shipmates. And I said, no, are you ready? He said, yeah, I'm ready. I don't want to die, but I'm ready. Well, that put me on my journey and we survived the six day war and, and I returned to Hawaii where I was discharged uh, six months later. And I met a young Marine headed for Vietnam and he, he told me about God's love and how I could know Jesus personally. So this Middle East, uh, situation has a personal part in, in my life. But also, uh, we're seeing things happen there and around the world where we see a, get more of a glimpse of God's prophetic timetable and looking at how that relates to the end of the age as Jesus taught it. So I'm talking today on four prophetic phases. This is slide number one of God's historical processes. And uh, I'm going to be reading from 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14, which should be on your PowerPoint. And the Lord says this, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And that's followed up by David in Psalm 67, verse six and seven. Verse six, the land yields its harvest. God, our God blesses us. Verse seven, may God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Let's go on to slide number two and look at these four prophetic phases of how oftentimes God accomplishes his purposes in moving history towards welcoming the second coming of Jesus Christ. First, there's, there is a number one, a pandemic or a war or a famine. This happens over, over and over again. And then we, his people, we seek his face. And we turn back to him. Lord, I've been too selfish. Lord, I've been too preoccupied. Uh, Lord, we need your help. As I was starting to say, as I went up to my gun emplacement there in the Six-Day War. And then God shows up. And he heals and he blesses. He is a father that hears us. He loves us. He's actively engaged with us. He heals. And he blesses. And then what happens? Number four, 
non-believers, they see the blessing of God and they believe. Just like 400 years ago, the Puritans of England, uh, some of my relatives suffered greatly uh, at the hands of, of others. And they took a big chance. They put their families on these little boats and brought them to, to the new world. I had four members of my family on, on the Mayflower. And uh, when they got to the new world, what was awaiting them was a cold fall and a winter. Half of them died. And that led towards the Thanksgiving uh, uh, several months later with the harvest when they realized God had still provided. And they wrote what's called the Mayflower Covenant. I'd encourage you to read it, which became a foundation, a cornerstone of the U.S. government and of God's purposes in America. On the right-hand side, you'll see a picture of a young Syrian refugee girl. Millions of people seek Christian nations. Why do, I know some people, unfortunately, in our country, they hate our country. But when I came back from overseas, I got off that plane after the Six-Day War and I kissed the land at the tarmac in Hawaii. Millions of people want to come to America. You don't see Americans lining up to go to these communist countries or these atheist countries. Millions want to come here. And uh, because this nation is blessed. And then many of them get converted and they go back as missionaries. In the Middle East, in a certain country, there's a friend of mine. He's a member of the royal family. He came to study in America. He uh, ended up attending a, a Baptist youth group. He opened his heart and he went back as part of the royal family and now he is opening doors that you would not believe. Why? He came because he saw the blessing of God as billions of people do around the world. And that opens their hearts to say, hey, there's something going on. Let's look at slide number three. Here you see some people that we have helped. There are Armenian refugees. Most of them came from, from Syria. Uh, and, and from Iraq, uh, and, um, but also a lot came back uh, to Armenia after the Turkish Holocaust, where they killed um, uh, millions of uh, Armenians. And um, they went to, the, to Europe and the USA, uh, and uh, many, many became firm believers in Jesus, because it was the Christians who reached out bless them and help them. We, we, we've helped to mobilize some of them who God put on their heart to come back to Armenia. And we established this refugee village in an old, old abandoned warehouse. They came back and we started a community with them. This is some of the leaders and now they're self-sustaining. They're growing their own food. They have their education going on. Uh, they're all set and they don't need uh, Western aid forever, just, just a few years of a little amount to use local resources. Now, this village has become a, a model village in Armenia, and nearby Muslim villages and Kurdish villages have seen this, and the doors are open because they've seen the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Say amen out there, everybody. Say it right now. Amen. So, slide number four. A little case study. On, on how things oftentimes, the way God moves is from conflict 
to revival and to gospel expansion. One of the best examples is the Roman Empire, uh, 251. The Christians have been persecuted, been crucified, sent to the lions, uh, and a plague hit the Roman Empire. Hundreds of thousands were dying. Who, who went out to help them? The Christians. The Roman emperor at that time said, why can't we be more like Christians and go help the sick? That triggered a revival that swept the empire. And with a within 100 years, 90% of the Roman empire was Christian. The, in the French and Indian War, 1754 to 1763, that was followed by uh, a revival. Also the uh, Cherokee Indians, of which I'm part Cherokee, Native American, became the first Indian tribe of America to become a Christian tribe, hallelujah. That uh, French and Indian War and the revival that followed led to the establishment of the, of the Baptist and Methodist churches, which took the gospel westward. The Haystack Prayer Meeting of 1806 came out of the revival following the American Revolutionary War and the writing of the Constitution and, and uh, it swept through the whole, all the colonies uh, of America. That created a missions thrust where it opened for the first time, people were sent to Africa and they were sent, guess where? To Hawaii. That's right, 200 years ago, the Hawaiian missionaries came out of the revival of the Revolutionary War and the Haystack Prayer Meeting. Next, the Civil War Revival. 1861 to 65 produced the global ministry of Dwight O. Moody, who went all over, he was a shoe salesman. He got converted, he got filled with the spirit, he got excited. He went out and God used that man to win hundreds of thousands to Christ. My own generation, the Vietnam conflict, I came home, uh, I was a, a, a sailor, as you know, during that time, and um, I didn't know what to do. People were calling me a baby killer and everything. Thought I was serving my country. I was confused. Uh, but the Jesus movement came along. It swept through America. Out of that revival came the U.S. Center for World Missions, came Chuck Smith's ministry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so exciting about how the Lord works. Down at these pictures, you'll see here, the World War II picture. My father was a Marine in World War II. Uh, 416,800 American soldiers died. When my dad came back and then I was born, my dad got converted through my mom, a Japanese American who was converted in, in a church. And, and uh, th they became Christians and, and e eventually uh, God really used my dad and mom tremendously. But out of that World War II revival, what happened? Oral Roberts started his ministry. InterVarsity started their ministry. The Navigators started their ministry. Campus Crusade for Christ. You have a picture here of my personal mentor, Dr. Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade with his wife, Vonette. This is the, the processes that God, God goes through. So let's go to slide number five. Today, are we at the end of the age? I believe God gives every generation the chance to get to every tribe on earth. And you know, it's almost being completed. 
in uh, Matthew 24, Matthew 24 deals with what are the historical elements as part of the end of the age. And Matthew 25 deals with what would the, what would this, the Christ-centered church be doing at the end of the age. Matthew 24, Jesus says, great trials will take over the world politically, geographically, in every way. And then in verse 14, he caps it off and he says, but at that time, every tribe will hear and then the end shall come. And the good news for you, a year and a half in a meeting at Rick Warren's church, 600 missions groups of which we're a part of, committed to the last 400 unreached tribes or, or tribes that are not yet adopted. And so in the last 18 months, various ones of us have been adopting tribe tribes to work, we're gonna try and send somebody out. We're working on several ourselves, in fact, two in, in Okinawa. So right now, every single tribe, on the 23,000 tribes, everyone's been adopted. And now the work of dis discipling them is taking place and then the end shall come. Matthew 25, the Lord talks about what would the Christians be like that are really helping at the end of the age. In the last 10 verses, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And they said, well, Lord, when did we see you naked? And he said, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So here on the left-hand side, we see the good news must go to every tribe. And it's, I believe it will happen in my lifetime. And I'm getting old. Okay, so join me. And we have taken this horrible COVID crisis and tried to turn it around. And now we and over 1,100 partners are going to the, these unreached tribe, tribal areas, teaching about how to prepare for COVID. Doors have opened in Pakistan, other places, you would never believe how God has opened doors for us. And then the right-hand side where I talk about what Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. We have an Iraqi refugee girl here. My friend, the former governor of South Carolina, David Beasley is now the director of the World Food Program and a believer in Jesus. He published in an article by the UN that said in the next decade, after COVID, we will have a famine of biblical proportions. To say a famine of biblical proportions in a UN document is pretty brave, and it was published. And, and, and this is following all the, the uh, impacts on the food chain that COVID and the shutdowns have had. Even in the West now, in Switzerland, where my office is, People line up to get food in the richest country of the world, as they are here. So Global Hope is focused on getting good news to these last tribes, which are almost all rural and they're all poor, and, and helping them learn how to grow their own food and helping them learn how to know the love of God. So these are great times. I'd rather be alive now than any other time in the history of mankind. I believe we, can, we will see the coming of the Lord in our lifetimes. So I wanna encourage you today. Number one, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I challenge you, open your heart up today and accept him as your Savior. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Second, maybe you're a lukewarm Christian. You're, 
you're here because you're supposed to be here in church, but you really are not excited about Jesus. You're not letting his spirit fill your life. I want to challenge you today, before you go home, to recommit your whole life to Christ and do whatever he tells you to do as he has the best plan. And then finally, I want to encourage you all to refocus. Lift your eyes onto what is happening. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Jesus is coming back. Let's all commit to focusing together saying, Lord, we want to get your good news and your love and compassion to every remaining tribe on earth. And I thank you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Aloha.